Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show offers listeners firsthand insight into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid and informative weekly blog, where you'll read, get tips, and make comment on life as a wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Chris. Like Chris said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. Before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have who you just heard from, Chris Cannon, my co-host, who will be managing the board and taking calls. Say hello, Chris. Hello. And recording the show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jason Malik from Arise Studios in Conway, Arkansas. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page. It's kind Kind of fun to see what goes on behind oh, the yeah. scenes. <laughs> and this is like real-time reality radio. And if you were watching a few minutes ago, you got to see my guest Josh Hill do a little rapping because he was doing that for the people on Facebook. Um, if you have to miss any part of this show or want to hear it again, there's a way. And Chris is going to tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to flagandbanner.com and clicking on radio show. Also, by joining our email list or liking us on Facebook, you'll get a reminder notification the day of the show with a sneak peek of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy began as a platform for me, a small business owner and a guest, to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Originally, my team and I thought it would appeal to entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but it seems to have a wider audience because, after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? To see people in their totality is humanizing. We all thirst to connect and make sense of an overcomplicated world. And on this show, we have the luxury of time to go deeper than a soundbite or a headline. It's no secret that successful people work hard, but other common traits found in many of my guests are the heart of a teacher, belief in a higher power, and creativity. My guest today is the unassuming and highly intelligent Mr. Josh Hill, who was shot into the Arkansas limelight when he, in the summer of 2018, became a seven-time winning contestant on Alex Trebek's long-running game show, Jeopardy. By day, Josh is a network manager, and he looks like one. By night, he portrays his alter ego as the Bucktown Tiger in his friend group, the Central Arkansas Furs Association, founded in 2005. This may sound like a hunting club, but it's not. It's role-playing by creative people. Josh, or should I say Bucktown Tiger, is well-known among furry convention-goers as a lyricist, keyboardist, and comedian who specializes in furry-themed hip-hop songs, voiceovers, and freestyle. Like I said, we got a little bit on Facebook right before the show. We're going to get some more by the end, aren't we, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to find out about the road to Jeopardy, how hard it is to get on, what goes on behind the scenes, the pressure, the preparation, and what it's like to win. Are you ready? $163,000 on national TV. Go, Ouch. Josh, go. Yeah. Yowch. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to play, I like this word. Madison made this word up. Quash, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> With our questions. So get your question ready for calling in. We'll give you the number later on. And at the end of the show, for our other animal-interested furries, and there are a lot of us out there, a lot of you out there I've discovered, we'll talk about his hobby, and, we'll, and he'll give us some samples of his hip-hop songs, I hope. It's a pleasure to welcome to the table the super interesting and original seven-time winner of Jeopardy, Mr. Josh Hill. Well, hello, Carrie. Great Thank to be here with you. Thanks for the invite and the warm welcome. Thank you. That sounded just like he was on Jeopardy. <laughs> I think that's exactly what you said when I saw you on Jeopardy. Uh, I love original people, and you are absolutely certainly that. Um, but before we get into all your hobbies and your successes, let's talk about your early life. Sure. Did you know you were always smart? Um, not really. Uh, I was just trying to be the best person I could. I was told that I was smart, but he kind of 
have to not necessarily believe everything that you hear um, because there's always someone out there that knows more than you, that's better than you. And there's always things that you can improve upon as a person. And from a young age, I've always tried to uh, become a better version of myself, um, particularly when it comes to academics. Um, I was lucky to be um, raised in a family and household. My mom was a teacher. She's recently retired, um, public school teacher. And she always, she and my grandma always stressed the value of education um, and ensure that, I prioritize that above you no know, other likes and um, things I might want to do hanging out with my friends, um, which which I did as well. But you know, I always made sure my homework was done first, and I'm just thankful to have that background mm-hmm. and family. Yep, and it's, I guess gotten me pretty far. Mm-hmm. Families are really important. Um, when you have, after I watched you on Jeopardy and I saw the depth of your knowledge, I couldn't help but wonder how someone like you who literally knows a little bit or a lot about everything can decide what um, they want to choose as the career in college. How did you decide to hone down what you want to do? You got a master's in business, I believe. I do. Mm-hmm. How'd you decide, okay, business is what I'm going to do? Because you could do anything. You're one of those people that could do anything. Well, um, when I first went to the University of Arkansas, and one of the reasons I chose the U of A was because they had the most majors um, on offer in the state. I had no clue what I wanted to do out of high school. I thought I wanted to go into economics, and then I ended up, I think, declaring political science when I first got there and realized, I don't know if I really want to do that. Um, I switched to, I want to say computer science, and then I switched to history. It was all over the map. <laughs> How long did you go to school? <laughs> uh, just four years. Oh, well, A couple of summers. Just 20 hours a semester, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. And um, I switched to electrical engineering my second semester, um, basically following in the footsteps of my father. Uh, he was an electrical engineer, um, spent some time working at Chrysler, and thought it would be really cool to, you know, deal with technology and um, all of my peers in college were like, you're going into engineering. Wait a minute. You understand what you're doing? Why? What's wrong with that? Because people were leaving engineering and going to other majors because of the science and the math load. And, and it oh, was because it's hard. Essentially. But you and, know, it's one of the degrees that there's not enough people graduating. If you're an engineer, you're pretty much going to get a job. Pretty much. And I really hope that more people consider um, majoring in engineering, studying the sciences, the maths, because there is a need here in America for you know, really talented people in those uh, technological fields. Um, we, we have to keep a competitive advantage on the global stage. And the only way we're going to do that is with homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad I um, got my electrical engineering degree and um, I've been working in the computer um telecommunications networking field um, since college, 14 years now. And where do and, you work? Uh, I work down the road at a um, cell phone carrier that um, <laughs> they're the ones that at one time said, <laughs> asked you if you could hear them. <laughs> Good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Can you hear me now? Is that the one that says, can you hear me now? Can you that, hear me now? And I'm not sure what the current catchphrase is, but um, yeah, it's a pretty large What's network. your day look like when you're an, when you're an electrical engineer? What does your day look like? Well, um, and to be a net, you're, I actually call, call you a network engineer. Network engineer. So you you get an electrical engineer's degree to be a network engineer. Well, I have an electrical engineering degree. Um, you can have a computer engineering degree. Oh, okay. Some people have computer information systems. Um, there are even some mechanical engineers, um, engineers in other fields. There are some people who just you know, studied independently and um, took all the certification exams that they needed um, from various vendors, um, Cisco, Juniper, um, Microsoft certifications. There are um, also some of the up-and-coming technologies, um, open source, um, mm-hmm. you, um, some vendors, OpenStack, Mirantis, uh, Red Hat. Wow, um, you know, you just did them all. I don't think you missed a one. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty out there I haven't mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're you're a network engineer for a big telecommunication company. What does a day like that look like for you? Uh, well, mostly I'm dealing with deploying new infrastructure. Um, if you could imagine routers and switches that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I can't give the exact amount, obviously. It's proprietary. But um, mm-hmm. taking those routers and servers that cost a lot of money and virtualizing them. 
So the future you, of the internet is virtual. Does that mean putting virtual. them on the cloud? Virtualizing them means putting them on the cloud, Not, or segmenting the segmenting them in the uh, in the computer in the server. Kind of, sort of, not the public cloud in the sense of you no longer have control over your data, but um, having those services, those network services, be handled in an automated, virtualized fashion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the infrastructure can be much more flexible. You can take a server and program it to be whatever router you need, whatever switch you need. And I guess they're called virtual because you can have a whole lot of them on one computer. On you one, can. that's so that kind of makes them virtual. So, you, so instead of one computer having one um, running one machine, you've got five machines running on one. Mm-hmm. Um, what would that be called? One network, uh, not one network, on one server. Yeah, one server, one hypervisor. And um, you can also, um, in like downtime, for example, if you're in the busy hour where everyone's trying to use their phones and you need all of that computing power to handle phone calls versus in the middle of the night when we're all asleep or, mm-hmm. you know, making new rap songs or whatever mm-hmm. you do it at night, <laughs> then um, you can use that computing power to take database backups or mm-hmm. to um, do other uh, network changes um, and improvements. Okay, you've got a wonderfully interesting life. I want to take a quick break because I want to come back and I want to talk about Um, Jeopardy and uh, what it's like to be the seven-time winner on Alex Trebek's Jeopardy. I want to talk about the preparation that went into it. I want to talk about the audition. I want to talk about the the behind-the-scenes going on. And then I also want to talk about your uh, community of furry friends at the Central Arkansas Fur Association, which, like I said, you might think is a hunting club, but it's not. <laughs> Instead, it celebrates their fur- these furry friends at parties, conventions, and other venues by role-playing in costume song and other theatrics. And last... This is the funnest part to me. We're going to play Quash Josh, and the listeners get to call in with questions. I asked Arkansas Flag and Banner employees to all send in questions. We've got some good ones for you, so stay tuned. We'll be back right after the break. Want to create excitement for your business or event? Do it with affordable advertising from ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. We have teardrop banners, retractable banners, and table drapes. We have street pole banners, museum and exhibit banners. We have custom flags, event tents, tailgating poles, auto graphics, and window scrim. And don't forget, welcome home and sale banners. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Go online for a free quote or drop by our historic showroom at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now a third of their sales come through the internet. This past year, Flag and Banner added another internet feature, live chatting. Over time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew. As early as 2004, she began sharing this knowledge in her weekly blog. And then in 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. And in 2014, Brave Magazine was launched, whose next publication is slated for October 2018. Today, she has branched out into radio with this very production, podcast, and live stream on Facebook. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guest about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you'd like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org or send her a message on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Josh Hill, network engineer and the only person I know who is a seven-time winner of the game show Jeopardy. I don't even know a one-time winner. Before the break, we talked about what it's like growing up smart, what great parents you had, how you pick a career when you could do anything you want to do, and that you picked that you picked a, a engine, electrical engineering, and that you're a network uh, administrator or manager, network network engineer, I guess, technician. But now we want to talk about Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy. I think lots of obviously lots of people do. It's been on the show how long? How many years? This is season thirty-five that they're currently in. Wow. And that's on the syndicated version. Of course, there was a version, I think it was a weekly version before that, um, and that lasted about 10 seasons, and they brought it back in 1984. And Trebek's always been the same guy. It's mm-hmm. always been the same one. That's, always been Alex Trebek. That's great. So uh, you always wanted to be on Jeopardy. I heard you 
saying to someone that you always wanted to be on there and that you spent a long time applying, I think I heard you say. What, how, how do you get on Jeopardy? So at one time when I was a teenager, the application process was you send in a postcard and they would draw, you know, random postcards, at least for the teen tournament, which I was a teen back then. Um, and they would draw postcards out and invite you to an in-person audition. Um, I was lucky enough to be selected for one um, when I was... 15 or 16 it was a long time ago and i got down there and you have to pass a 50 person test uh 50 question 50 test question, yeah, yeah 50 persons <laughs> <laughs> you get to go and you get to go <laughs> yeah, pretty right. much so you pass a 50 question test and if you pass it then you play a mock game um three at a time just like on the show they interview you ask you what you would do with the money a little bit about yourself and during the mock game in that teen tournament audition um I wanted to answer a question and they called on a different competitor and I did this number. I did that. And so they're taping everything. They stopped the proceedings and called that out. You cannot do that. You cannot, you know, show this disapproval. If you don't get called in, you won't get in every time. I was like, well, I sat there with a goofy grin on my face and was like, well, there goes my shot. Was it? Did there go your shot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's an immaturity thing. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of really talented, smart people out there, but they don't maybe get to the success they want because of this immaturity level that we all have. Absolutely. Um, I lost composure there and, you know, 20 years until I got another shot like that. No. Mm-hmm. Did you keep applying after that? I kept applying for the teen tournament. I applied for the college tournament. Um, I went to Memphis when I was in college to um, what they call the brain bus back then when they used to drive around to different cities. Went there, failed the test. Um <laughs> Tried a few times online. I guess I failed the test online when they started doing it online. And um, I so how did you get in this time? What happened this time that let you got in? I guess I passed the fifty question online test when they started doing that a few years ago. Instead of just selecting postcards, they have an online test, and the people that pass that test then get selected sort of at random for an in person audition. And mine was in Houston this time. I went there and I had to pass another fifty question test. Once I got to Houston, and they wanted to make sure you were legitimate, I guess. Um, and then after that, it was the same um, mock game and um, contestant interview. And I knew I wasn't going to do that time. I was like, I'm not going to roll my eyes. <laughs> I'm not going to get it every time. And it turns out at the um, Houston audition, Alice Trebek was there. Um, he usually doesn't come to auditions, but he came to that one. He surprised all of us. And... He's just a really jovial person, really good with not just contestants, but also the audience. He took questions from all of us. And then the local affiliate, KHOU, was filming um, our um, three-by-three contestant mock games. And I was actually one of the ones playing, and Alex was being interviewed in the background. And um, they made a joke, and everyone laughed in the room. And I'm standing up there, and this is on their camera. And I turned, I'm like, what's going on? So I look. I got this like goofy deer in the headlights grin going on. The, the other competitors look, and luckily the contestant coordinators also you know, kind of look. And so it wasn't too much of a disruption because we all just sat there and awed Alex. Um, anyway, we got back to the interview, and I guess I did okay. They um, That was on a Friday. Uh, we drove over to New Orleans to watch the Saints beat the Carolina Panthers. Who that? <laughs> Uh, my wife's a huge Saints fan, oh, good. and I'm married to the Houdat family, <laughs> Houdat Nation. And um, okay. came back on Monday, and then Tuesday, the, when we got back, I was getting lunch at Tropical Smoothie right there on uh, on Broadway, and I pulled my phone out to check Twitter, both Twitters, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the rap Twitter and the Tiger, Tiger Josh Hill, yeah, all of them, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> okay. Facebook, Instagram. Uh-huh. I only have all Instagram. And um, and I noticed I had a missed phone call from a three one zero area code number, and they told us at the audition if you get selected, we'll call you, and it'll be a three one zero phone number. So it's not a telemarketer. Is so I, I saw the phone number. I was like, oh. I stopped what I was doing, called them back, and um, Ryan, one of the contestant coordinators, answered the phone. And I said, like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed your call. I missed your call. And I said, oh, that's okay. I just want to um, finalize some things on your application. So are there any dates that you wouldn't be available? And I said, well, I'm doing a marathon the first weekend in March. This was in December, by the way, of uh, of 20, whatever year 17. it was. 2017. And thank you. Mm-hmm. And, You're welcome. <laughs> and I can't think of any other dates I wouldn't be available. 
And so Ryan says, okay, um, thank you very much for your time. Oh, and oh, by the way, we want to invite you out for a taping of Jeopardy. Yes. And at that point, I'm in the middle of a tropical yes. smoothie. And, and I have to do everything I can not to just go jumping around, flailing and screaming like, ah, the sky is falling on him. So uh, everything just became yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. He could have said, hey, I want your left arm, your left leg. And I would have been first born. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Um, so they went over the details. Um, it would be January. I think it was January 24th. You'd have to fly out. And then if you do really well. More auditions again? Uh, no, I didn't see it. I, at the time, I didn't know that, you know, I was telling people, well, it's just a taping. They may not select me trying to you know, tamper down expectations. Um, they told us to bring three changes of clothes. Um, I didn't have three changes of clothes that were camera ready. So um, the first thing we did when we got there was we went to the mall, my wife and I, and found a couple of extra wardrobes to take uh, for the next day. And then I was, I don't think I slept very much that night. Um, when we got to the, um, that morning, there was a bus downstairs and all the contestants were there and I get on there's I think 12 of us on the bus we get to the studio and um, we, we get to the gate the guy there um, said yeah uh, you're not supposed to be here I'm like, what do you mean? Because the guy thought we were the audience, I guess. We're really, um. really well-dressed audience. So they <laughs> took us to a gate where um, the audience was supposed to come in. And after 10 minutes of looking through the logs, they said, oh, wait, y'all are contestants. Um, y'all at the wrong gate. Y'all need to go around <laughs> to a different gate. And so we sat there for quite a while. Finally, they let us um, in the lot when we got to the right gate. Um and then after that, there was a couple of uh, rehearsals. Before that, one of the contestant coordinators, Maggie, probably the most high energy person you can imagine. Really high energy, really great uh, person to be around. How uh, old is she? Uh, is she young? I know she's been on the show with the show for almost a whole 35 years. She, okay. Jeopardy has no turnover. If you get on at Jeopardy, you pretty much stay there. The rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Why would you leave? It's a dream job. Yeah. And so um, she went over all the rules, um, where everything's going to happen, rehearsal, um, enunciate, make sure you enunciate, answer in the form of a question. Try to start at the top of the board. They mentioned that multiple times. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't want to start at the $2,000 clue. You have no idea what the category is about. Like there was one in one of my games. The category was lakes and rivers. I'm sitting like geography. Yeah. Yeah. And turns out the first question was um, this comedian was one of the co-hosts of the night <laughs> show. <laughs> What wait, does wait, that well, have to do? Oh, oh, like, uh, uh, who is Joan that? Rivers. Joan Rivers. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of a like. And so okay. had I started at the bottom of the category, it would have been someone I'd never heard of. And like, well, that's not geography. Mm -hmm. So they tell you to start at the top. And so I tried to start at the top. Um, they went over all the rules and what would happen if we were found to be ineligible. They even brought in an auditor to make sure that we were who we said we were. Uh, we all went out and rehearsed. We um, got to write our name on a little scribbly pad. Um, we got to play a few questions, um, all 12 or so of us, uh, including the returning champ. There's always a returning champ. Always? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, yeah. And, um, and then they called the first two competitors to go against the returning champ. And it wasn't me. And so, okay, I got to sit in the audience and watch. And the first guy, his name was Osman, and he wiped the floor with everyone. Yeah. He ended up with 33, 333. That was his winning score. And um, no one wanted to face against him. I was well, yeah. looking to my, um, uh, the guy that said next to me, his name's Jeff. Yeah. And we didn't want to go against him. <laughs> Jeff was called next <laughs> along with another competitor. And, and you're like, Phew. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jeff ends up taking Osman down. Uh -oh. I was like, wow. And, okay. um, and then I ended up getting called and yes, I like, I got to play against that guy. He you just got, you played against Jeff? I played against Jeff, mm -hmm. and it's like, there's, oh, well, it's not going to be good. And so we get out there, and after, it took a few questions. My heart rate was around 160, 165. <laughs> I'm boom, sure. Boom, boom, boom. And, uh... <laughs> Eventually, it just got back to I did quiz bowl in high school and in college. And once I got back into that you know, competitive mode, mm -hmm. things started to kind of make sense again, mm -hmm. if you will. And um, did OK, I guess. What time does it start? And so was that the one that we saw in the summer was actually recorded in January? It was recorded in well, the one you saw in the a uh, few months ago was yeah, recorded it, in February because basically what happens, they do five episodes a day. 
Um, that was the third episode of this. So like Monday through Friday, that's one tape day. And they tape two days a week. And so that was a Wednesday taping. So the Wednesday episode, I ended up winning. We went to lunch. So I had the, you know, status of, oh, I'm the returning champ at lunch. And so everybody's giving me side eye like, no, I'm just playing. We were all like really, really friendly, all the competitors. I wondered about that. Oh, no, we we all like Facebook friends now. Oh, that's sweet. It's really cool. And so Thursday, ended up winning that episode and Friday. And so I flew back home and I had to fly back out two weeks later. And so that's, you know, the one that that was in February, second time I flew why out. Why didn't they so just I, keep you going to the next week? Why do they skip you a week and make you come back? Well, here's why. Because Jeopardy is in one lot on Sony Pictures Entertainment Studios lot. Wheel of Fortune is across the street. And so the same camera crew, the same cameras that they used to film Jeopardy on Tuesday, Wednesday, they used those to film Wheel of Fortune on mm. Thursday, Friday. Didn't I know that? I did not either. Yep. So they tape. Budget cuts. <laughs> well, I can't speak to their budget. I mean, you're like they're not making enough money, whatever. Okay, go ahead. So, so then you fly home, and, and, and I bet that actually is good for you because you kind of get to study a little bit. Did you study? I, I bet you did. I, I somewhat. <laughs> I, I knew a weak area is trying to work on some things I need to work on. And so then you fly back out, mm-hmm. and then you do the next. And at that point, you're the returning champ, and you're a three-day returning champ. And I tried to keep that on the wraps as much as I could, and eventually God, it got how do you out. do that? Well, when I got back to um, the set, and Maggie says, hey, champ. And I was like, okay, now the secret's out. <laughs> and so he started asking how many days did you win, and I was trying to play it, you know, coy. And, and eventually, when we started rehearsing, they... Um, run the tape from the previous episode and they you know show how much um because it's also a rehearsal for the camera crew for the sound crew uh for the judges uh, it's also a rehearsal so for they do a rehearsal before they actually go live and get everybody Absolutely. kind of relaxed mm-hmm. i wondered how they did yeah, that they do a rehearsal and after lunch there's another rehearsal for the contestants that are still there to get you relaxed again get and back re- in the groove get all your burps over with after lunch yes ma'am okay and um and, and they announced i was a three-day champ with i think it was eighty-eight thousand at that point or eight three thousand 82 something 82886 and then all the contestants were like oh my, i hope i'm not the first to lose you i'm like every game is a different game it's different categories mm-hmm. and really one question can turn the trajectory of a whole game had had jeff gotten the final jeopardy question right on that very first episode uh jeff would have won and i would have walked away with the second place two thousand dollar prize and that'd been it Yep, you won a lot. Of, you won all those Final Jeopardy ones. I think yeah. every one I watched. Uh, well, you never lost one, did you? Well, there was uh, the oh, one there at was the end. One. Oh no, no. There okay. were a few. Yeah, I, I was only four for eight on the final questions. I didn't do as well as I wanted, but I'm just real the fortunate. The one you lost on everybody lost one. I think it was basically. One. Yeah, it's been a few months there, since I watched There were a lot it, of what we call triple stumpers, where none of the three knew. And the it fancy. didn't matter. Yeah. Right, and luckily I was in the lead and had a big enough lead to mm-hmm. where um, there's strategy behind that as well. If the second place is close enough to you, they can bid zero. And that means you have to get it right or else you're going to have to bid enough to drop below them. Um, luckily, I had a big enough lead in those times where um, essentially second place had to get it right and then I had to miss it. Um, yeah, because you're over there doing the math. The, part of that jeopardy is figuring out the math that goes with yeah, it. Yeah, on your bid of what on you're going to put on there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll do one dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wondered about how they kept you from being stressed out about it, and the, 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 I mean to keep you relaxed. Mm-hmm. And to, so they train you in one day. In one day, how yes. many shows do you do? Uh, if you five. count, does that count the? Um, does that count the the uh, the ones they do to get you relaxed? Uh, that doesn't count the ones for relaxation. Uh, there are two of those, so two rehearsals. There's um, five rehearsal, live rehearsal in the morning, and then three live five episodes, taped. three taped. taped episodes. Yes, ma'am. And then lunch, and then another rehearsal, rehearsal. and then two more after lunch. Two so more that's tapings. Seven? That would be seven if you count the rehearsals. Are yes. you exhausted when you go home? Um, I was pretty tired at the end of the second tape day when it was five episodes in a row because you don't really get a break. Um, the returning champ, they take them backstage, you change clothes because it looks like another day. Mm-hmm. And you have maybe 10 minutes to you know, get your makeup redone, remiked, back out on stage. So you don't have time to think about it. So Not really. uh, the categories that are chosen, I always wonder if they, you know, you've taken all these tests. Mm-hmm. They know what your strengths are. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Do you think they're rigged to try and make people get out? Absolutely not. In fact, there are six um, episodes that are written out by the by the question writers, and they pick five at random. And those oh. are sorted at random um, before the tape day is even over, uh, even started. And then they select the contestants at random. So it's random contestants, random tape days. And in fact, there's always at least one contestant on each day that doesn't get selected. There has to be a sense of you know, randomness about it. So they always bring in at least one alternate on the first day. I think there are two alternates there. And then they stay in case you know someone drops out. And then at the end of the Wednesday tape day, the alternates are local. LA oh, area. Always local for the alternate so that they don't have any air travel. Oh, Correct. And um, at the end of the second tape day of the week, uh, one of those alternates will be selected to go on and the other one won't. They'll come back at a later tape session and then they'll and get on. It's, is it in California? Is, is yeah. that where the local is? Mm -hmm. Culver City, California. So the LA area. Do they pay Central's. your airfare to go out there? They don't. So everything's on you. If, if you're you if you're a first time contestant, you pay for airfare, you pay for hotel. Of course, you already paid to get to the um, audition. Um, if you have to fly back out, like if you're a returning champ like I was, then they'll pay for your airfare to get back out to L.A. So, you know how you talked about a few minutes ago how you made that sound of disapproval? Mm -hmm. I've seen guys do that about the buzzer, like hit the buzzer with their finger and then somebody else gets it. And then they look at the buzzer like something wrong with their mm -hmm. buzzer, you know. At the end of every commercial break, the first thing that Maggie and Lori do, the contestant coordinators, they come and ensure that we all in Glenn, they Make sure that each one of our buzzers works. They have us all ring in, you know, one by one, just to let you know, hey, your buzzer does work. Maybe you just weren't quite fast enough, or maybe you were too fast, you were too early. Because what happens after Alex reads the clue, one of the judges has their own lockout device where they enable the buzzers. If you ring in before the judge enables the buzzers, you're locked out for a quarter of a second. I've seen that happen. I've seen people doing yeah. this, mm -hmm. and then they're, but they're not getting anything. They're not getting in because they went too early. So you can't hit your buzzer while he's reading. Correct. And if you accidentally do, you're locked out for how long? Uh, a quarter of a second. Which could be the difference between the guy next to you getting it. Absolutely. About half of the questions, was my experience, about half the questions, all three contestants know the answer. It's just a matter of who gets in first. Really? We're, I can't we're all past the smart piece. people in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there are people way smarter than me out there. 35 years of contestants and lined up trying to get in. It took you 20 years to get in. All right, let's talk about the big money. You you got $163,000. And after taxes, maybe 100 bucks. That is not true. <laughs> Do no, they no. hold the taxes out before you leave? So they hold California taxes. Oh, those um, are not good. Yeah, California, they, I think it's 7% withholding. And the um, in, the federal is on you. And then any state tax you would owe to your home state is on you. Um, not to so mention, you have 7% on top of your regular uh, income tax. It's ordinary income. It's treated as ordinary. And they don't hold that out. That's on you. That's on you. You have to put that on your income. So they write you a check minus your seven percent to California. Uh, well, they would um, send that check and then you oh, do whatever you, you. And then at the on April fifteenth, anything you owe Uncle Sam or a, uh, I don't know what the Arkansas equivalent of Uncle Sam is, but in, oh, the state Betsy Ross. <laughs> there you go. What uh, would come out at that point, and then you write a check unless you paid, you know, early early withdrawals or early disbursements. Um, don't know if I want to reveal my financial no, strategy let's here. Just, let me ask you this. Can you tell us how this money and this experience changed your life? Well, um, for one, of course, being a college student, I have a couple of degrees. Uh, my wife has a couple of degrees, master's. and um, You have a couple of degrees? Uh, the bachelor's and the master's. Oh, okay. And then you know, my wife has bachelor's and master's. So it's helped us a lot with, you know, taking care of some of the debts we incurred, getting those degrees because, you know, oh, college is not expensive. cheap. Paying off college mm. expenses. Um, somewhat. And then also, of course, home improvements. As a homeowner, I'm sure you're aware that they can be money pits at times. So some things that we've been wanting to do. And, of course, travel. We, we both love to travel. And so we're looking forward to, you know, coloring in the last two states on our map which are alaska and hawaii so we've been to the all of the contiguous 48 states i think i said continental on the episode that was a mistake it, it, alaska's continental as well technically so um the <laughs> contiguous 48 and we've been all of them and um we haven't been to alaska and hawaii yet so we're that's what you're gonna do that's our big vacation plans and then from there we start coloring in the rest of the countries <laughs> there you go. I don't know if we'll get to every country, but 
at least hopefully every I've continent. I've never been to every state in America. I it's a go- you're young to have done all of that. It's, well, I guess you do it while it's you a can. Goal. It's a goal. That's a that's, that's a that's a nice goal. All right, this is a great place to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with network engineer Mr. Josh Hill, seven-time champion of Alex Trebek's game show Jeopardy. Do you get to go back now that you're a seven-time winner? Do you go back now? You get to play in some championship games? The Tournament of Champions, uh, I'm not sure when is going to be held, but I would assume they would invite me unless I do something to mess that up. I hope I don't. But um, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting an invite and competing again. And the top prize for the Tournament of Champions is $250,000. Oh, come on, Josh. Listen, I just jumped up and down watching you. I'd, I'd record it, come home from work, watch it, and then you'd win again. I'd be like, oh, my God. I feel like I'm on a high on this. <laughs> Thank this, you for watching. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for doing it. It was great for me. Uh, in this next segment, I want to learn about his about Josh's community of furry friends at the Central Arkansas Fur Association. This is not a hunting club, just the opposite. This is a group of like-minded people who celebrate their furry friends at parties, conventions, and other venues by role-playing in costume song and other theatrics. And we'll be taking questions for Josh on our Quash the Josh segment. But first, I want to remind everyone we're broadcasting live every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Time on both KABF 88.3 FM, The Voice of the People, and FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page. And that after one week of every show's airing, a podcast is made available on all popular listening sites and YouTube. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com. We have polls, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West Knight Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com. FlagandBanner.com is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, where listeners are offered first-hand insight into the humanity and commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, FlagandBanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, Brave magazine harnesses the power of storytelling and human empowerment. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfiches all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Brave Magazine will be in your mailbox and hitting newsstands October 2018. Free subscriptions and advertising opportunities are available at flagandbanner.com by selecting Magazine, where you can read previous stories and learn about advertising opportunities. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Josh Hill, network engineer and the only person I know, the only person I know to be on Jeopardy, and he's a seven-time winner on the game show. If you've got a question for Josh, make a comment on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page, which I do not have on my, I don't have my laptop here, so mm. Arwen, someone's going to have to tell me if you do. The best way, though, if you've got a question for Josh today is to call in, so write this number down and call. 501-433-0088. Say that one more time. 501-433-0088. And if you're shy, you can just creep on my weekly blog about life as a small business owner at flagandbanner.com, or as I said earlier, you can listen to our podcast. I want to take this opportunity to give a big shout out and a thank you to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland, which is Friday, November the 2nd, tickets and a few tables are still left available online. Thank you, Centennial Bank. Before the break, we talked about Josh being a smart kid, 15 years old, the first time he applied to go on Jeopardy because of his immaturity, he didn't <laughs> get on. Uh, then we talked about uh, what it was like to actually get on Jeopardy and um, the audition, the live show, uh, how the, the, the goings on behind the stage behind the scenes, not really behind the stage, uh, and that they shoot five in one day. I think that's really interesting. And that they share their equipment and their, uh, I don't guess they're roadies, but they're, they're uh, technical uh, uh, programmers, people, they're f- videographers mm-hmm. with 
Um, what, what was the show he said this year? Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. Wheel of Fortune, yeah, with Wheel of Fortune. I think that's cool. I didn't know that. I love hearing that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. And that Alex Trebek is very nice. Oh, absolutely. And that's really good to know, too. Uh, and that the, and that the, um, and that the uh, categories are not rigged. Oh, no, they're definitely not rigged. In fact, there are federal laws back in the uh, 50s and 60s. They were rigging game shows to try to drive the narrative. And so they um, they passed some federal laws to make that illegal and punishable. But I think it's five years in prison. Well, and I'll qu- quit trying to figure out if you're rigged or not, because <laughs> I do sit around and think about that. Uh, so, all right. Now, in 2005, the Arkansas Central Arkansas Fur Association was formed. Were you part of that? I was one of the family members, yeah. I figured you were. Tell everybody what it is. So, essentially, I went to Brinkley High School. My mascot was Tigers. And kind of stuck, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. And um, essentially, when I reached adulthood, you know, you start um, trying to find people who, you know, you can kind of click with, you know, people who have similar interests. And um, I was able to find uh, some people who are also interested in, you know, anthropomorphics, which is... Is that what it's called? Anthropomorphics, yeah. It's essentially, if you take your favorite animal and you fashion that animal as kind of a humanoid with human characteristics, um, you think of Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck or or mm-hmm. uh, there was a recent Disney movie, Zootopia, that was you know, yeah. a pretty big box office hit. Um, characters such as that is what anthropomorphics are about. And so, um, essentially, uh, the furry fandom is... A, um, a celebration of those characters and um, entertainment and arts um, centered around that. And um, one of the unique things about the fandom is we create our own characters with their own defining features and their own um, talents and interests. So um, a lot of us kind of have our, I guess we call it fursonas, kind of like a persona, except as, you know, our animal selves, if you will. And um, as far as the local community, yeah, we've. Um, There's a lot of you. Yeah, it's quite a few, and we, uh, you know, first started in 2005, but we've done various charity events. Um, what do you do at a charity event? Um, so sometimes we'll costume and we'll, you know, bring smiles to kids' faces um, and help raise money for various charities at um, at conventions. We've raised millions of dollars uh, around the world really? and um yeah for for various usually animal related charities like you know people will try to have tigers lions as, as pets and you know they're really cute when they're kittens but they grow and they cost a lot to feed and they could kill you yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of them have to give those animals up to various um, sanctuaries uh there's one um really good one up in eureka springs um, turpentine creek wildlife refuge and so um you know Venues like that, um, as well as other animal related, like, um, you know, pet rescue um, locations and, you know, other uh, different outfits, uh, we've, you know, helped raise money for them. Um, there's one in Texas called Care. Uh, there's one in Tennessee called Tiger Haven. Uh, there's there's quite a few all across the country. And, you know, we've raised hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars for those. So you're a Bucktown terms. Tiger. That's your name. Yeah. How come Brink- Bucktown? What's Bucktown? Uh, nickname for Brinkley. You know, oh, is that right? Always, yeah. We, um, you know, Bucktown taking over. We've, you know, a lot of us, we refer to our hometown as that. And so um, I had a lack of creativity. I had to come up with a name, and, and that seemed to work pretty well. I can't believe you have a lack of creativity. Oh, yeah, there's I mean, you of... do so much. So I went on. I, if you go online and type in uh, Bucktown Tiger, you will find that you have an album. Uh, well, my six albums, if we're counting. Oh, know. never mind. Six albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm counting. Yes, six albums. So what are these albums like? So three of them are instrumental piano albums. Because you play the keyboard. The keyboard, yeah. The whole mention, when I mentioned the Tiger Suit thing on Jeopardy, is like, yeah, it's an actual thing. Um, but the albums were recorded, you know, actual you know, album quality. And so um, they're instrumental covers of various genres from classical to classic rock, um, all sorts of genres in between. There's some country, some soul, um, you know, some alternative rock. And then there are albums about, you know, my experience as a tiger enthusiast and, you know, in the fur community and some of our experiences, um, as well as other, you know, formative experiences growing up, um, you know, from my background, um, on my uh, my rap albums, so. Uh, so you do freestyle. 
And I looked at some of the names on your album. Mm-hmm. But give us some names because everything's a play on word. I mean, this this tiger persona has got some great play on words. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, uh, of course, there's a uh, Ray for the world. Obviously, that album. Um, there's one called um, Perfect Pitch, but of course, perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Two R's and. <laughs> Perfect. And every time you, you see are. the word for, it's fur. Of course, yeah. yeah. And even, you know, I'm just casual conversation. I'm saying for and I kind of slur a little bit. Fur. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 ready for dinner, you know. For <laughs> <laughs> your wife do this with you, she a hobbyist too. Well, I mean, she's been very supportive of, you know, every one of my endeavors um throughout our um, nearly 14 years together and um really appreciative of her every day. Um, Did you hear that, honey? He's giving you a shout out. Well, of course. She's a, oh, she's a smart as you are, too. Oh, yeah. If, if we teamed up in trivia, I think, because she's really good at all the areas that I'm like not good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd be a pretty dynamic force. You um, going to give us a little sample of rap? A freestyle, something freestyle. Well, um, I, men- I mentioned on Jeopardy that I um, rap about not just you know furry stuff, but also network engineering stuff, <laughs> and and it's not easy writing a rap about um, rap protocols. But you know, there's some you know when I'm popping tags. <laughs> so you go in the you go in the uh, server room and start rapping to yeah. the guys. What do you say to? I'll them? be like, where are your tags at? Go and pop them out. Send them to my P router. We can swap them out. Send them to my PE so we can drop them out. And if they kill your connect fast reroute, ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> <laughs> it's like popping tags. Like it has nothing to do with clothes at all. It's completely MPLS with EBGP. We move packets like bricks, serving all y'all CEs. Popping tags. No. <laughs> popping tags. I like it. I love it. Um, we're going to continue. Uh, you're listening. I just want to tell everybody right now, quickly, you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking to Dave, Mr. Josh Hill. That's who you just heard rapping about his network engineering business. Shia. Shia, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know. What does that mean? I'm out of the loop. That's another way to say yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, it's time to play. We've got, we've got, you know, 10 minutes. It's time to play Quash Scotch Josh. Say that again. Quash Scotch? Where? Yeah, I, Where? I had a hard time <laughs> saying okay. that. Say it one more time. Quash Josh. All right. There we go. Quash Josh. What is that? Is that his? Oh, is that Jeopardy? Yes. Jeopardy music. Oh, it is. <laughs> yep. Quash Josh. Quash Josh. All right. All right. So let's give out the number if anybody wants to call in again. Okay. That is... 501-433-0088. Again, 501-433-0088. So, Mike, you, everybody's been listening to Chris today. He's my co-host. This, I just want to, he gets to have, this is his question. I sent an email out to oh, everybody. And, yeah, I know. Way and too easy. Let's just say, Josh, you're going to get this. Well, sure. it's juvenile is <laughs> it what is. it is. It's well, very it's juvenile. So like that's me. the category. So the category of this is juvenile. All right. From the sun, this is the seventh planet in our solar system. What is, okay, and I got to make sure I say this correctly because I don't want this to go viral. What is, I want to say it, Uranus? Yeah, it's not the way to say it. (laughs) You're trying to get me to say Uranus. I get it. (laughs) That was from the My anus? Wait, what? What? Not Uranus. Yeah. No, your anus. All right. All right. This is category came from uh, my, uh, my, uh, my office. Yeah. Yeah. She's I my, didn't know this. She's my bookkeeper. I know. And he, if he knows this, he's a genius. But I'm going to give you a category because a category helps. This category is called vexed. Uh-oh. This term, meaning the study of flags previously considered part of heraldry, was formalized by the U.S. scholar and student of flags, Mr. Whitney Houston. Mr. Whitney Smith. Whitney Houston. No, sorry. Nice. Mr. Whitney Smith in 1961 in his publication, The Flag Bulletin. Okay, so the category is vexed. So, and and Jeopardy does this a lot as well, where they'll, you know, the answers or the correct responses will be kind of in the clue. And so, uh, what is vexillology? No! Rapper music sound. <laughs> Boom. I don't know. What do they say? Vexillology, Scientology. <laughs> I can't believe that. That is correct. Vexillology with three L's, people. All right. Here's an easy one. This is called, this would be called sounds. Category sounds. Okay. After a few hours in the hot sun, 
I'm ready to drink a cold beverage this way. Me too. Also, an engine sound. Ooh. Uh, after a few hours on the hot side, I'm ready to drink a cold beverage this way. Um, also, also, an engine sound. Ooh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, what the easy is, ones are going to get him. Yeah, <laughs> goodness. What is... It's not chill. I can't think of an engine that says chill. I mean, I chill. Um, what is hummed? I don't know. I, I chug. Oh, chug, 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 chug. What is chug? Chug, chug, chug. Okay, here's another one in the category of sound. Well, actually, I'm going to give you a hard one because you'll probably get this one. This one came from our purchasing, from Nikki and purchasing. Okay. Once, and I didn't know this, and I just think this is interesting for all the listeners. Um once a significant source of income for the state of Kuwait, this legacy has seen a steep decline since the 1990 Iraqi invasion. For the state of Kuwait, this legacy. Oh, I think of Kuwait as oil. What is oil? That's what everybody thinks of. That's what I would have thought. I know. Everybody I've asked this question has said oil. What is pearl diving? Really? Her mm-hmm. golf has pearls. Wow. Uh-huh. She said uh, that there were, uh, when you would go to Kuwait, one of the museums was all these old, old pearl diving boats. And it was one of their biggest tourist uh, attractions they had. And they're all been blown away. And gone. Oh. Uh, no, history lost. Yeah, that's sad. That is so sad when you think about all the museums. And they recently a museum burned up in another city. Brazil, uh, yeah. Brazil, yeah, with so many uh, relics in it that I just don't like. 200 years. Mm-hmm, terrible. All right, here's another one in the sound category. Okay. Hearing this hyphenated sound of tiny feet means you have kids in the house or mice. What is pitter patter? Very good. Mm. Did you see how you enunciated that as well? That was a, that's what you're supposed to do, <laughs> People, I mean, there was an episode recently where the guy, um, it was a Coolio question, and he said, what is gangster's paradise? And they, they called it correct, and they went back and said, no, you said gangster instead of gangsta. And so we're going to take away $3,200. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. Gangster, gangster. to the rules. Well, they do that all the time. They go, uh, hold up, and then they go, okay, that'll go. Uh, all right, here. This is an easy one. I hope all the listeners need to get this one. This is for the listeners, but you get to answer it. Josh. In a Mother Goose rhyme, rub-a-dub-dub, they're the three men in a tub. Mm-hmm. Who are the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker? Very wow. good. I wouldn't have known. Not at all. You would not have known that? I don't remember that thing. That was too long ago. You have any kids, Josh? Uh, no kids. Just, you remember just that? Uh, it came up recently in some trivia book I was studying. We, we, we do study for these things. Do you really study trivia books? Oh, Absolutely. Is there another game show you love? Um, I love very much any trivia show um, that is like legitimate trivia. Um, there, there are some shows I won't name that are basically just shots in the dark. Those are kind of frustrating, but you know there are a lot of shows that are, are really good. Um, I still think Jeopardy is the best. It's the most. It's the longest running, obviously, but it is also really well written. The clues are entertaining. They're accessible to a, a wide variety of audiences and. I just really enjoyed the experience being on. And if you're listening out there and you ever wanted to be on Jeopardy, go for it. Yeah, because it took you 20 years. How often did you apply? Every year or once a month? Well, there was a time when I stopped applying. I'd just given up. But uh, a few years ago, I decided to start trying again. and Once a month or how often did you apply? It was, they offer the test around once, maybe twice a year. Oh, so you can only do it twice a year. Mm -hmm. And you can just Google that up. When's the Jeopardy test? How'd you find that? Um, I, wa- I watched Jeopardy and they, um, during the episodes and the commercial breaks, they'll, if they have a test coming up, they'll mention when oh. the test is going to be. And give you the address. All right. Uh, here's another one. First developed in 1912. Oh, this one. This one came from my son in San, in, uh, in, um, uh, where is he? In the Ohio State in Columbus. The Ohio State. The, that's right. The Ohio State. You've got so many interests. You love sports. You love mm-hmm. music. You love, you, I don't know how you ever decide what to do in life. All right. This one came from my horticulturalist son. That's your 
category, okay. horticulture. Uh, first developed in 1912, this unit of measurement is still used to determine heat level in chili pepper. It is the uh, Scoville unit. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Uh, it's another one of those trivia nuggets. I think is uh, capsaicin has, like, really, really high. It's like 300,000 Scoville units or whatever. Ghost peppers are really high. Um, I, anything hotter than bell peppers, I try to avoid. But <laughs> So I gave this question to my husband. I said, honey, your son sent this along. First developer in 1912, this unit of measurement is still used to determine heat level in chili peppers. And he said, what is the tongue? <laughs> That's a nice one. It's a good answer. That was pretty quick. 1912. <laughs> yeah, only since 1912. We only, got, we only got tongues in 1912. All right, here we go. The only American. Oh, this is another one of Chris's. This is easy. But, this, but you have to have some easy ones because if you don't, the listeners can't exactly. play. Right. Okay. The only American state to begin with the letter P. Wow, there is only one state. I've never thought of it. Wow. Come on. What is Pennsylvania, which is also home to the, uh, well, one of the world's largest furry conventions. Um, is it really? Yeah. How in, many in, people? In Pittsburgh. Um, they were around 9,000 their last, in, last. You know, I feel like that harkens back to your childhood because my kids all wore tails. Yeah. They would, they, 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 you know, when they were kids and they would play in the yard and stuff, I would have to pin tails on them all the time. On their, you know, they'd have like a dog tail or a tiger tail, or one of them had a devil tail with a little pitchfork on the end of it. You know, I mean, I, and it does kind of harken back to being a kid and wanting to dress up in costumes and stuff. Yeah, I bet you love Halloween. Halloween is a very celebrated um, holiday. Furry, furry holiday. <laughs> I, was, I went, so everybody go online and you can go online and see Josh in his, in his tiger, in his buck, buck, what is it, buckhead? Buck. Town, I think. Bucktown. Yeah. Bucktown outfit. Isn't that hot? It can get very hot inside. Yeah. In fact, some of them, they, um, they design them with fans inside to try to at least have some modicum of coolness. But it, they can get really hot. And especially um, when you're on a stage performing in a concert, um, they can get really hot. And in fact, there are some OSHA regulations where you're not supposed to be in stage lights and, you know, full body suit like that for more than 15 minutes. Uh-huh. I've done an hour and a half long concerts in suit. You lost stage. 10 pounds. About 10 pounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually, especially the one in, in Pennsylvania, um, usually I lose about 10 pounds each So you perform year. at all those, you perform at a lot of those conventions. I have in the past, yeah. We've um, I've done shows more or less from coast to coast. That is so cool. So how do people get in touch with you? Um, various ways on Twitter. I'm at Josh Tiger Hill on Twitter. Um, Josh Tiger Hill on Twitter. Yep, and uh, really that's... That's the best. Most of my uh, online communications there. And you uh, charge people, right? Or do you do it for free? Because you just love it. Um, well, I might usually either get, you know, a dealer's booth where I can sell CDs or um, various other. Do you methods. sell a lot of CDs? There, there are quite a few. Yeah, there's, um, I had a map up in my studio from, you know, everyone that had my CD. And I ended up having to um, get a globe to, you know, put pins in Australia wow. and Malaysia, South America, um, all over Europe. You so, are so interesting. I just love yeah, it. We're, we're, we're all over the world. I love it. Because uh, you have a, don't you also have a studio, not a studio, a recording? Uh, didn't you have pause something? Did I see that? Yeah, that's a moniker I made up. It's, what it's, is it's that? basically my basement. Oh, it's called Pause Studio? Pause. P-A-W. Yeah. Yeah. It's just your basement. It's my basement. Okay. I have a gift for you. I should give you one of the globe. It's a desk set. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. U.S. and Arkansas. This is awesome. Yep. For your desk. For everybody. Yeah, everybody on Facebook. Hey, see his desk. The two best flags that there are for all your vexillologists. Yeah, <laughs> good job. I can't believe you did that, actually. That's very good. Hey, Chris, who's my guest next week? That's going to be Ryan Harris, the executive director for Oxford American Magazine. You know, he's not from here. I think he's from St. Louis, where he is was a bookie. He booked bands in St. Louis. I do believe that's where he came from. And he has a big following uh, and has a and is well known as, as a booking agent around the South. And even though he's the executive director for Oxford America, American, he also mm-hmm. books all the bands at South on Main. Have you ever been to South on Main, Josh? South on Main is really exciting. It's very exciting. Well, he books all those bands that come through. Wow. 
he knows his stuff and he books them usually there's a series you can get on with them he'll tell us about it next week but it's Thursday nights and he gets bands that are like coming from New Orleans and going to Chicago mm-hmm. and he because he knows so many people and he's so connected he gets them to come here like on Thursday nights and we get these really big bands in that really small venue it's, very, it's impressive it's very impressive um, thank you again Josh Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. This has been a lot of fun. It's You've been a blast. I've been grinning since you got here. Uh, I want to take another opportunity to thank uh, Centennial Bank again for um, sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland, uh, November the 2nd. Um, tickets are still available online. Um, if you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your questions, too. Or your contact, actually, or your contact information. I don't need your questions. All right, I need your co- questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening, and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your ind- your life, on your independence. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up in Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. If you miss any part of this show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagandBanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal, to help you live the American dream. Oh,